chapter 4. Let's get in our lesson this morning and uh, then we will uh, get going. And again, if you have any questions or concerns about uh, us reopening, you uh, can, are free to email me and let me know. Um, I sent that email out. We took into consideration everybody's response and kind of crafting how we were going to do things. And uh, we look forward to seeing, those, to seeing really everyone. And uh, we'll uh, have, a, have a good time next week. And uh, watch it be 100, watch it be like 200 degrees outside, you know. And, and that's what will happen, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, somebody said something about there was an earthquake somewhere. So they'll, they'll blame that on the corona. I call it the corona, you know, but they'll blame that on the virus. So anyway, all right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've uh, been looking here at the issue of the glory plan and at the issue of the plan that God had set before the foundation of the world. And uh, we're going to look this morning. We've come down through verse 15, 16, and 17. We've seen the details. We, we have, uh, we've seen the... If you look there, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then he finishes it with, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. And that verse 18 draws your eye back up to verse 13. And the issue that Paul's addressing is that concern, that, that sorrow there that, that the Thessalonians were having because of their, law, their loved ones that are died, that were saved, they're part of the body of Christ. And he's like, hey, where you're going to get your comfort is, is that one day out over here, there's going to come a day where we're going to have a reunion. And you're going to see your loved ones. And how that's going to happen is that the Lord, that the Lord himself shall descend. And he's going to descend with the shout, with the voice, and with the, trump, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. These noisemakers, here he comes back. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. By the way, we go up. <laughs> we're resurrected with our new body. We have a meeting with the Lord in the air. This meeting is the judgment seat of Christ, all right, if I can just abbreviate it that way. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we saw this last time, come back over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're doing something here, kind of remind everyone, get this all in our thinking. In, in the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 Get second, yeah, get second Corinthians 5 and verse number 10. Verse number 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. The judgment seat of Christ has to do with our labor here in time. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the work and what sort it is. And at the, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to what he had done, whether it be good 
or bad. So the issue is the inner man. That's the issue at the judgment seat of Christ. The body, we're in a new body. He doesn't have to clean that up, but we've got to go right through and we've got to deal with the issue of the new man, of the inner man. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 3, we saw this issue about building gold, silver, and precious stones. That would be the good, wouldn't it? Okay? That, is, that, that issue of good. That is the issue of we're going to build in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Those three items that Paul talks about. We looked, went over to Proverbs 16. And we saw Proverbs 16, 16, and Proverbs 20, 15. And there's the good, okay? But then we have the bad, don't we? And the bad is that human viewpoint. It's the wood, hay, and stubble, if you, if you remember from last time. The, 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 the wood, the human viewpoint, that, the, that issue of the hay, and, and the fact that it, it's... Uh, it, 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 the, the, it, it's a, uh, the human effort, here it is, big, the stubble, the cheap stuff, <laughs> all this is temporary, that's the bad. What did we build in our inner man? Well, we were building all six items, by the way, and so the fire, the word of God, rightly divided, comes in and purifies out the issue of the inner man. So, after the meeting, that's where we're going now, okay? Because there's going to be now a presentation to the Father. Come with me. You're in 1 Corinthians 4, right? Hold on to 1 Corinthians 4. Just kind of stick something in there. Run back with me to 1 Thessalonians 3. I mentioned in the book of 1 Thessalonians, each chapter ends with a reference a, a, an, an allurement to the ending of the dispensation of grace and then our movement as the church, the body of Christ, into the heavenly fathers. First uh, Thessalonians, look at chapter 1 and look at verse number 10. Okay? So let's do this. This is where we're at. We're in our labor. We're in our working. Okay? We're in our daily walk. We're in our Christian walk. We're in the grace walk. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. So what are we doing right here? We're waiting, aren't we? We're chapter 1, verse 10, right? We are waiting for the son. Even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, delivered Past tense, already done. We'll never see the wrath over here, the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. Come over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 19. Here's the second one. Chapter 2, verse 19. So 110 is down here in time, in our wait. Chapter 2 and verse number 19. What is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. There's 2.10, where we're going to have that meeting in the air. We're going to meet the Lord. We're going to have this great reunion of all of us together, and there we are. Chapter 4, okay, we've been down through verse 14, 15, verse, uh, I'm sorry, 15, 16, and 17 there. 
that's all of this. All of this is that 14, 15 to 17. Chapter 5, you notice I skipped chapter 3, right? We're coming back to it. Chapter 5, verse number 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again, okay? So each component is sitting there. Now, chapter 3, <laughs> okay? 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father. Now watch, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So we have the meeting in the air. The Lord is going to take us up into the third heaven. This is all in the second heaven. Okay? He's going to take us up into the third heaven and he's going to present us to the Father. And when he presents us to the Father, there is a presentation to God, even our Father. So the Lord is going to move us. He moves us here, out of earth, into the meeting, in the air. And then he's going to take us into the third heaven. And he's going to present us to the Father. Now, come, come back to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, but stop at Ephesians 5 on your way. 1 Corinthians 4 and Ephesians 5. Because when he presents us, the condition that you and I are in, uh, if you will notice 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 5. And we're going to get Ephesians 5 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will, bring, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make the manifest counsel of the hearts. There's the meeting. The fire's going to reveal of what sort it is. There's going to be a reward, and there's going to be a loss. Okay? And the, this whole sub, right in there. Now watch the last of that verse. And then shall every man have praise of who? Praise. Why are we going to have praise of God? Because we have our new body and our inner man's capacity for service has been identified. We've graduated. Okay? If you think about graduation, you, are, you, you triculate down through time down through your studies, your course, you have a graduation, and you get your certificate, okay? Come over to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. And in the passage here where he talks to the husbands in the role of marriage, verse 27, he says something very fantastic about this. <clears throat> By the way, all this, anyway, 527 that he, and that'll be Christ, might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's where the praise comes in and the presentation to the Father happens. When is the only time 
in the history of the church, the body of Christ, where it is blameless, holy, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. It's only when, the, when 1 Thessalonians 3.13, when the Lord presents the body to the Father. Because up until here, we still got some blemish because we've got to deal with that inner man cleaning up. Okay? Now we're going to present to the Father. Now go back to 1 Thessalonians 3. And let's look at that verse as in, in that understanding. 1 Thessalonians 3, start back up in verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and, and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. So that issue of life, of living life, abounding more and more. Down in chapter 4, he, he just, hey, verse 1 there, <clears throat> he says at the end of that verse, so ye would abound more and more. Don't stop, keep going. You've got a life to live down here. You've got a labor to do, a work, a labor of love, a work of faith. You've got things to do. Verse 13. To the end he may, notice that word, establish, not establish. He isn't setting you up. This is at the end. Establish. This is, this is the end of the, of, of the conclusion of the whole process here. Okay? That he's going to establish you. Establish your hearts. How? Unblameable. Isn't that fantastic? Unblame. Could you imagine? See, right now you're blameable. I know you're in Christ, but you still got some issues we got to work out here. Okay? Some of you have built in a lot of hay, stubble, and wood. Got to clean that up out of you. You're blameable in that area. Some of you have... Just a little bit on there. Some of you just have a little of the gold, silver, and precious. Whatever the case may be, he, he's, gonna, he's telling you here. You know what he's saying in verse 13 there? Your lifestyle is important. Look down in chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse 8. Actually, hold on to here. Run over to 1 Timothy 4. Let's just do that verse. That, there we go. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy 4.8 For bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. 1 Timothy 4.8 I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 4.8 I switched on you. I read the 4 and the 8 and I didn't read the 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is. And of that which is to come, godliness, it has a benefit now, in time. When you come back here to 1 Thessalonians, our lives in time, right now, abounding more and more. Chapter 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. And then he begins to list some items here that are going on that he says, hey, you need, to, you need to be mindful of this. You need to have some clean living, as they like to say. 
You need to be paying attention to your lifestyle because your lifestyle is going to have an impact out here in the judgment seat of Christ issues, but also in that capacity issue. And again, it's a capacity for service. We're going to be serving in the government of God in the heavenly places. And, and you know, we're, it, it's an administrative duty. He, the Lord tells the, the disciples, they're arguing and they're fighting. He says, listen, you guys think about lording over others like the Gentiles do, where you're bossing them around. Not in my kingdom. In my kingdom, we, we're, it's a kingdom of service, and we're going to be a servant. It's the same for you and I. We're not going to be sitting there going, hey, Brian, you got to do this, this, and that. No, we're not. We're, it's an administrative thing, and, you know, and it's, doing, it's doing whatever the government needs done. That's what we're doing. Because people ask you, well, what are we doing? Well, think about this. We got a big pile of tree trip, landscape trimmings in the back fence back here. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the garbage guy to come by and pick them up, aren't we? Yeah? Okay. Crickets. <laughs> there are people in the room, just so people know, but not, not everybody, not a lot. So what does government say? Government says we'll pick up your garbage. It's part of the utility bill. What are we doing? We're administering the picking up of garbage on the back fence back here. We've done studies in the past on what heaven looks like, and maybe I'll need to remind you of that. The, the heavenly folks are clothed in white linen robes. Where does linen come from? It comes from the linen tree, a plant. How do you get it from the plant to a robe? It's called textile industry. You got manufacturing. Guess what's going to be in heaven? Manufacturing. It isn't going to be a poof, everybody's got a linen robe. You got transportation hubs. You got to move those. You got, I mean, if you think about what's going on on earth, is a mirror of what is happening in the heavenly places. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. The things of heaven are, are going to be far better because you don't have the sin issue. But the thing is, is you think about that. You make the robes. Now the robes got to get where? To the store. So there's got to be a trucking industry or a transportation component. So you're going to be doing different things like that. You've got to have farmers. You're going to have farmers. You've got horses. You've got to have there are the creatures. Maybe, maybe in the future we'll look at the creatures of heaven. They're fascinating. They're different. The unicorn. Everybody thinks about that unicorn, you know, a little different in Scripture. You got different, you got different, you know, you got satyrs. Ooh. You got cherubs and seraphims and teraphims. You got all these creatures that are doing and functioning right now in the heavenly places and doing the things that you and I are going to do. My point is, is when he says, hey, verse 13, 313, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. There's a process here. Our labor and time counts. The lifestyle we live, the walk of the grace walk counts. And it moves us. 
and it moves us up in, and, and it begins to impact our inner man in that capacity for service. That's the issue. Now, when he presents us to the Father, there's some things that are going to happen out here in that presentation. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to leave the third heaven, and he's going to move back down into the second heaven and join Michael and his angels in the war in heaven, Revelation 12. Okay? Meanwhile, back on the farm, back up in the third heaven, there's some things going on that are going to happen, and I want to talk with you about them. But before we get there, there's some things about, come, come over with me uh, to Colossians chapter 1. I, you need, yeah, Colossians 1. You need Ephesians 1, Colossians 1. And there's some things here that we're just going to talk about the heavenly places, okay? That you need to understand and that you need to have a, a, a reference to. Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians 1, Ephesians 6, Revelation 20. We got a whole, uh, the list is just, okay, and, we're, and to get out of here in, in a half hour is going to be a trick. Colossians 1, look at verse 16, Colossians 1, 16. <clears throat> For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Okay? So we've got some invisible things and we've got some visible things. Then he uses terms. Come over to chapter 6 of Ephesians. He's going to use terms that are going to then relate to where we can relate to them here on the earth and they're going to relate up into the heavenly places, okay? Ephesians 6, look at verse 12. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Boy, that, we ought to remember that. In these crazy times that we got going on here, who, who are we really fighting against? The spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, there's some, th come over to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21. Ephesians 1 verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So we're going to talk about this morning about the heavenly places, okay? That's what we're going to talk about. Come over, you're in chapter 1 of Ephesians, look at verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The first thing that you need to know about the heavenly places are they are real. They're real. They're a location. They are spiritually located in Christ. They are a, a real deal, okay? 
They're up there. They're, they're, ultimately, we will be in the sec- what we call the second heaven, the universe. We'll talk about that. But they are, it's a real place. In Revelation 12, Satan is kicked out of heaven. And it talks about they lose their place. It's Revelation 12. Let's just look at it. <clears throat> I'll slow down here and look at these. Revelation 12, verse 7 and 8. Revelation 12, 7. And there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. They lost their place. It's real. That's first one, okay? The second issue, the second thing about the heavenly places is they are... <clears throat> Organized. In other words, their structure, Colossians 1.16, thrones and principalities and powers and mights, dominions, every other name that's named, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness, they, they are organized. Come over with me to Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter number 9. Amos 9. Amos chapter 9. And verse number 6, Amos 9, 6. Amos 9, verse 6 says, It is he that buildeth his stories in the heaven and hath founded his troop in the earth. You see that thing about stories in heaven? Not stories as in, hey, did you hear the one about, you know, the rabbit and the hare? It's talking about organization, structure. By the way, if you come over to Job 26, just for something to trip your trigger, I told you that Job 26, Job carries more information about creation than anywhere else in Scripture. The Psalms are a close second. Okay? But look at Job 26. He, verse 7, he stretched out the north... And over the empty place. So if the north is up here, where's the empty place? South. <laughs> okay. And hangeth the earth upon nothing. So what did he do? He hung the earth on nothing out there. All right. He bindeth up the, he bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night came to an end. Remember, we started this. We talked about there being a boundary out there in a container. That's what we're reading about. Now watch verse 11. The pillars of heaven tremble. The pillars of heaven. What do pillars hold up? A building. Stories. That's Amos 9. So the stories, the organizational structure out there. Now come back to Ephesians and Ephesians 2. They're structured. They're real. They're organized. They've got a structure to them. And the third component here, quick, and again, we're doing these quickly just so you get them in your mind, okay? You can, I mean, you can go to Psalms 33 about the heavenly host, you know, by the way, he's the Lord of hosts. There's many. The third thing about the heavenly places is that they are under the control of Satan. They're under the control of the adversary. Look at Ephesians 2, 
Verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The prince, the power of the air. The prince, the chief ruler, the power, the governmental authority, the air, that invisible realm out there. So he is the chief ruler of the governing authority in the invisible realm. Ephesians 6, verse 12, where do we wrestle? Against spiritual wickedness in high places, right? So they're under the control of the adversary, okay? You with me? Am I going too fast? No? Yes, no. Chapter 1 of Ephesians. Don't go any faster. Okay, Ephesians 1. The fourth part of it, and this is the fun part, is God has a plan to reconcile them back to himself. Ephesians 1, verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things. What would be the all things? The principalities, the powers, the governmental authority under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. You write down Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 to, to 20, right in there, and guess what you find out? He's going to bring all of that government back under his authority. Okay? So, you have some things about the heavenly places. They are real, they're organized, they're under the control of the adversary right now, but then one day God has a plan to reconcile them back by using you and I, the church, the body of Christ. Okay? Now, come over with me to <clears throat> Colossians 1. Let's just go there. Because I want you to see that this is relatable to us. All right? And hopefully I can get, do this in there. It's relatable to you and I. In other words, this is not... In Ephesians 3, he says that you may be able to comprehend what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Th this stuff isn't spooky. This isn't unknowable. It is knowable. Okay? And again, this morning we're just scratching the surface, okay, for you. Colossians 1, verse 16, For by him were all things created, which are in heaven and which are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You see that issue about invisible and visible? So he uses terms that illustrate the governmental structure that you and I can relate to. Do we know what a throne is? Yeah, we do. Come back to Daniel 10. We know what a throne is. Do you know what a dominion is? Yeah, we understand what a dominion is. We, know, we understand Daniel chapter 10. We understand what a principality is. We understand what a power is. 
we understand this. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, is the, the, these are, they, they are, they chorus, there's a correspondence between what's in the heaven and what is on the earth. When Paul says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. It's caught up to the third heaven, the paradise. When he woke up or, or opened his eyes or however, whatever he did, you know what? He didn't walk into a fog-driven mystic thing. He walked right into a countryside. He walked into something that was familiar to him. It was not unfamiliar. When Elijah or Elisha, one of the two, I can never remember, they pulls back the heavens for his helper. And what do they see? Horses, fiery-fleshed horses, and the armies of God ready to come back, and the chariots and everything. You see, all of that stuff, it's just spiritual. It took God to open it up so he could see it. But if you have horses and chariots, then what do you got to have? Somebody take care of them. You got to have a stable. You got to have a mechanic that can fix. You got to have stuff that can do. There's a correspondence. Watch Daniel 10 here. Daniel has uh, gotten a vision and he is looking for an understanding of it. 1010. Gabriel is on his way to give him the information. If you look there at verse 13, he says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 21 days. It took him 21 days to get to Daniel. He comes out of heaven, out of the third heaven, and he works his way down through the paths, through the, through, through the, through the deep up there where those windows of heaven are and everything. There's actually corridors of travel down through. Okay, We would call them interstates. So he's got an I-10 that he's going to come down. I-17, he's coming down. But watch what happens, verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me, that's Daniel, and set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands, and said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understanding the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken his words unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for... From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come from thy word, for thy words. So God hears Daniel, sends Gabriel. Now watch. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? Gabriel tells Daniel, we heard your words, we've been on our way, but it took us 21 days because the king of Persia wouldn't let me through the territory. I came out of the I-10, coming across out of California, and at the border, I got stopped. And I got my passport checked. Gabriel says diplomatic immunity, I'm, I'm a diplomat because Gabriel is the chief of the ambassador corps. And he says, hey, you got to let me through. And the king of Persia says, I don't have to do nothing. And you can sit right here. So Gabriel sends word back up for Michael to come. Michael is the archangel. He's the chief of the armies of God, of heaven. Now we're going to have a little battle at the border. <laughs> okay? 
So there's, 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 there's paths. Actually, in Scripture, it's called the King's Highway is what it's called. And, and you see it on the earth where in, in the wandering of Israel. If you plot out how Israel wandered around the desert, you see the king's highway. You see the route of the second coming of the Lord. You see all of this stuff going on there. So, But notice it's the king of Persia. There's a king of Persia in the heavenly places up there, spiritually. Well, look at verse 1. Now the third year of Cyrus, what? What? king of Persia. There's a king of Persia on the earth, and there's a corresponding king of Persia in the spiritual realm. That's the point here, okay? Verse 13, took him 21 days. Finally got Michael got up there to take care of business. Gabriel got on his way. If you come over to verse 20, then, then said he, knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia, and when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. <laughs> he goes, I know, we're good. You got what's going on, Daniel? I got to go back, and it's going to be a fight going back. But now watch verse 21. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scriptures of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. When Satan usurped and fell, and he took, the, he took all of the echel, top echelon guys. He took the joint chief of staffs, except for one. He took the ambassador corps, except for one, Michael and Gabriel. If you're going to cause a rebellion, you take the top guys because it trickles down. That's what Satan did. The, my point in this, come over to, Deuteron come over to Deuteronomy 32. And, and get Revelation 4. De De Deuteronomy 32 and Revelation chapter 4. My point is, is when we talk about the heavenly places, this is not unfamiliar ground. You are familiar with it, just in your everyday life. We're just now talking about us <laughs> and our home and our future. Revelation 4 and Deuteronomy chapter 32. Notice this. Deuteronomy 4. De I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 32, Revelation 4. Run, go to Revelation 4. Let's start there first. Revelation 4. Uh, John is pulled up into the throne room of God the Father. Okay? By the way, there are three throne rooms because there are three members of the Godhead. The Father has his throne, the Son sits on his throne, the Holy Spirit has his throne. We're in the God, we're in, we're in the Father, we're in God's throne. This is where he says, who's worthy? And over standing in the corner is the Lamb. And the Lamb is worthy to open the book and so forth. But I want you to see something, verse 4. Revelation 4, 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty-four seats. Twenty-four. They're seats, seats of authority. Revelation 4, 4. I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. So you have 24 seats of authority, 20, the 24 elders, right? Verse 10. The four and twenty elders 
fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, and off they go. When they take their crowns off and they cast them to the feet of the Lord, what are they doing symbolically? We are running the government. We're the 24 seats. And now you are running the government. Follow that? They've abdicated their authority and gave it to the authority, the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice there's 24 of them. Come back to Deuteronomy. On your way, stop in Hebrews. <clears throat> Folks, this stuff is so, it's so big. Uh, Hebrews 10. Let's see. Hebrews 10, verse oh, 23. Hebrews 10, verse 23 and 24. Hebrews 10, 23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these. So there's a pattern of things where? In the heavens. You see that? Verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the what? Of the true. When, when Moses got the directions, come back to chapter 8. When Moses got the directions to build the tabernacle, Hebrews 8, he got a pattern of the true in the heavens. And he made, he made a, here's what the heavenlies look like. Moses, here you're going to make it down here on the earth, okay? All right? So we were in Hebrews 10, 23 and 24. No, I'm sorry, 9. Thank you. 9. Well, I was on my page, chapter 10 starts right there, so sorry. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24. That makes sense why you guys all looked at me like I was nuts. Hebrew, I got a different Bible than you. <laughs> I have a better one. No. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24. Let's correct that. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24. Now go to Hebrews 8 and verse 5. Okay, Hebrews 8, verse 5. Who's serving unto the example and shadow of what? Heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the temple, I'm sorry, the tabernacle, for, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. That's Exodus 25, where he gets the pattern of the tabernacle. Now come back with me to Deuteronomy 32. So what am I saying? What you see in the heaven is going to mirror, what you see on the earth is going to mirror what you see in the heaven. Get what I'm going to say right <laughs> What you see going on down here, visible, is mirroring the invisible. Okay? What? That's pure, true. Okay. Well, it, it is what it is. Deuteronomy 32. That's what the verses say. Now watch Deut Now again, how many elders, how many seats of authority do we have? 24. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, 
He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. What's their number? Twelve. The earth is going to be divided up into twelve sections. Well, if the earth is divided up in twelve and it is reflecting what is in the heavenlies, what's in the heavenlies? Twelve. And twelve plus twelve except for you guys on Facebook that do funny math, equals 24. So the 24 elders are representative authority figures of the 12 sections that sit in the heavens and on the earth. They take their throne, their crowns, their authority, lay it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy. And literally what they're doing is they're saying, you now have all the authority to dispense as you would like. Because next week when we look at Israel, we're going to see him say to those 12 apostles that you're going to be sitting on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel who will then be dealing with the Gentiles out there. And then he's going to look at them and say, oh, by the way, I'm resurrecting David to be your king. So David gets resurrected as he's establishing the king to be the king. But wait a minute. The Lord said he's the king. He is. But what did he do? He delegated authority. People want to yak about the sovereignty of God and all this stuff. And the issue of delegated authority is what you're seeing happening here. And you know what? God is secure in his, who he is to delegate authority. That's what you're seeing here. He's going to delegate authority to the 12 tribes and to the church, the body of Christ, and he's going to do it happily, happily, willingly. That's his plan, is to take you and I and come over to Ephesians 1 and to put us into positions of governmental authority. And again, that issue of delegated authority is what you're seeing here. And that's something you have to remember as we go through this. Now, notice, if you will, Ephesians 1, verse 21, just, quick, uh, just quickly here as we get this issue, some of this in. Far above all principality, so you've got principality, power, might, Right? Okay, then in Colossians 1, we had a throne, right? And then a dominion, right? Then in Ephesians 6, in verse number 12, you have rulers of darkness. You have spiritual wickedness. Back in Ephesians 1, verse 21, you have every other name that's named. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 ranks of authority. And, I, and again, you can take the spiritual wickedness when we get down here and talk about it. You can put that in with the every other name. You can dance it however you like to dance it. 
But when Paul talks about where we're going, we're going to be presented to the Father in the heavenly places, he is then going to look at our capacity of, the, of our service, of our inner man for service, and he's going to place us into one of these areas of authority, of administrative positions in the government. Principality, quickly, we'll just give you a couple definitions here. Principality, the prince, the highest ranking position. He's the top decision maker over everything. There's, by the way, there's 12 sections of this. I run out of board. Take the earth, you, you take the earth as the center, command center. We'll see this next week. Of all of the universe is the earth. Well, it's not the center of the universe. I didn't say it was the center of the universe. I said it's the center, command center of the universe. God has decreed this place to be his dwelling place when he sets his city on. He didn't do it on Saturn or Mars or... I, I, poor Pluto. I feel for Pluto, you know. He didn't do that. He said, no, we're going to do it on Earth. So earth becomes the central command center of everything. And going out from that then is where we're going to be. The principality, the prince, the highest ranking authority. Now, then you come to powers. Now, underneath the principality as the prince, really there, there are two areas that kind of come together. And that is in the power and the might. The powers are the, the, this issue of the authority to do it, to do something. Okay? The principality is going to delegate now downstream, down the line. A principality, come over to Matthew, uh, Matthew 8. Let me give you an idea of what this looks like. That is the issue of the authority to delegate, the authority to act, the authority to go and to do something, okay? A judge has the authority to do some things and to make some things happen. Look at Matthew 8 and look at verse number 9. Matthew 8 verse 9. For I am a man, this is the centurion, okay? Back up in verse 5. He says, I am a man under authority. There's the power. Having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servants do this, and he doeth it. You see, he has the power, the authority to delegate, to, to say, let's do this. In Luke 4, uh, when, when Satan tempts the Lord, there, uh, Luke 4, it's uh, verse, hang on, I'll give you a verse. Luke 4, <clears throat> verse 6, the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee, and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. That's the idea of the power. It would be like our legislature. They have the power to do something. But then you have the might, and the might is the ability to perform 
what the power said go do. They're, they're the police. They're the military. They're, they're the guys that, they're the enforcement branch. That's what makes the police and the military so dangerous. Because they're the guys with the guns. They get it done. We've seen lately where we have sheriffs say we're not going to enforce the governor's decree because they are not, what, law. Well, what did that sheriff just say to the governor? I ain't doing what you told me to do. So he's able, okay. Now, the sheriff says that because he's an elected official, by the way. <laughs> and he knows he's got to run an election here coming. But that's the idea. So the power, the principality is the top decision maker. The power has the authority to do some things. The might has the ability to perform. He has been given the permission to exercise the authority to go do what needs to be done. We, um, the, the president is the executive branch. He's the enforcement branch of the, leg of the three branches of our government, isn't he? When he, he, that's why the Department of Justice is under him, the FBI, all those departments of enforcing the law. Then you come to the throne. Well, we understand what a throne is. Who sits on a throne? A principality does. A king does. A throne is, is a seat of authority in a particular geographical area. We understand that. In our state thought, it would be the governor. It would be the mayor. They're the figurehead, okay? Then a dominion, by the way, you'll notice in Colossians 1, it's listed with the throne, okay? It's interesting, they're listed together there. And what you see there with the dominion is that's the territory. The state of Arizona would be the dominion where they're going to have rule. You with me? Okay. Then the ruler, and in Ephesians 6, verse 12, where that comes in, they're rulers of darkness of this world. Rulers are the emissaries. They're the ambassadors. They go back and forth between all the various states. They'll go back and forth. They, he says the rulers of darkness of this world. Think about the darkness. Darkness is the vehicle used by Satan to maintain his dominance, rulers of darkness. By the way, there are rulers of light. You'll read about them, rulers. So in order to make, they go back and forth in Satan's kingdom here to maintain peace. If you look over at Colossians 1, Colossians 1, verse 13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear saint. The, so the rulers are the diplomatic corps. They're designed to keep peace amongst all the states. Now, in the heavenly places, in the church, the body of Christ, there will not be a war, you know, because sin's not there. But they have a function, and that's their functionality. Then you have spiritual wickedness. And again, you can put spiritual wickedness in with the every other name that's name crowd if you'd like or not, but they're the grunts. Now you think about government. They're the librarians. They're the garbage truck guys. 
the supervisors over the garbage truck guys, the supervisors over the service. Think about government and all the trickle down. The, 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 the rulers would be the chief of police type guys because they're keeping everything calm, okay? But then as the spiritual wickedness guys, they begin to, to deal with that issue of the everyday duties of government. And then you have every other name that's named. And those guys are the rest of, they're the librarian specifically. Okay, Emily works at the library in Scottsdale. But she works for the city of Scottsdale. But she has a supervisor. There's your spiritual wickedness guy. And Emily's role as a page, okay, is every other name that's named. When I worked at the federal government and the United States Post Office Service, I worked there for two months. That's all I could take. It's like, holy cow. Well, what did we have? We had a postmaster on site. Then we had supervision. And then we had us grunts, every other name that's named, out there. And I had authority over, over what? A letter, an inanimate object. My service was to do what? Make sure it was delivered properly. And on time, but in my case, just properly. <laughs> we'll get there on the time part, okay? That's the idea here. Structure. Governmental structure. If you come over to Titus 3. Titus 3 and verse 1. Titus 3 and verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey, isn't that interesting, magistrates. There we go. See, more terminology. Magistrates are going to fill in. If we got principality and power, what would be the magistrate? Would be the might. See, you got that issue. The point is, those heavenly places, they're real. They're organized. They're under the control of the adversary. But God's plan is to take you and I. We, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come up, present us to the Father. He's going to look at our capacity and he's going to look over there, and he's going to say, you have the capacity of every other name that's named. And you're going to go, doggone it, man, I was really trying for it. No, you're not. Because what just got burnt up? That human pride stuff. What? Okay. Well, I was trying to beat Mac up the ladder. No, you're not going to do that. Your capacity, what you've learned and labored here in time, is what's going to dictate where you land up over here in your job. Oh, boy, is right. we got to get on the ball, don't we? Okay? Now, what happens is, is people say, yeah, but Rick, you say get on the ball, and everybody gets a prideful mind. Okay, but what's going to take care of the prideful mind? The judgment seat of Christ is. He'll take care of it. He's my judge. He'll take care of that in that day. And then every man shall have what? Praise of God. There it is. You see, you can, oh, well, Rick, you're just telling people to do, yeah, but the judgment seat of Christ will take care of that if that's their motivation. The motivation is, it shouldn't be that. The motivation should be honor and glory to the Lord. You get your capacity identified. You get your position presented to you. And when the father sees the body, he's not going to go, all right, you half over here, you're looking good. You guys got to take a, you know, you got to clean up. He, he's going to say, well done, my son. 
looks great. They're holy, without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. You know? They are beautiful. I'm going to put them in where they belong. The sun then comes down, back down into the second heaven, and goes on to work finishing out and fulfilling the prophetic program. What I want you to catch today is in 1 Thessalonians 3, we have the presentation to the Father of you and I. And oh, what a glory, glorious day that will be. I love that song. Why? Because I'll be right where I'm supposed to be. What I've been working for the whole time. So here we are, down over here on planet Earth, and we're striving about the things of this earth. When Paul says, set your affections on things above. Why? Because this is real. This stuff here is temporal. It'll fade away. Because if it isn't the virus today, it'll be the hornet tomorrow. And if it's not the hornet tomorrow, it'll be the hillbilly next. It'll be whatever. But you and I, we stay the course, learn where we're at, and we get over here. Okay? Now, by the way, right now, in these positions of government, there are, they are inhabited by spiritual, the angelic host, spiritual beings. That's what they are. But what you see up here is God delegating authority. And he's delegating the running of the universe through the hands of his people. That's what he's doing. One verse and we'll close. Come over to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. I heard this the other day. I wrote it down, went over and was reading it. And what you see here and the issue that you have to remember is that God is delegating authority, the, the, the authority to run the universe. He's putting it into the hands of his people. 1 Chronicles 29, we start in verse 10. David, wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Do you think God has it all and is, it's all his? And yet what has he decided to do? Take creation, creatures, and give them the power and the authority to run it and to operate in it. And we understand that because we have the completed revelation. David here doesn't understand the issue about the heavens and stuff like that. But we do. 
Great insight here by David into who God is and how he works. And yet how he also delegates to his people, to, his, to creation, to complete and to do what creation was created to do in the beginning. What did he say to Adam in Genesis 1? Go out, subdue it, rule over it, have dominion, reign. That was the issue. You and I, in a new body, by the way, your new body, you can operate here on the earth and you can operate in the heavenly places. You can come and go. You're not going to be told you're on that throne and don't you move. You're going to be able to go and to do and to come down and visit and see and talk to. You're going to be able to function and move that way. You're going to have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ now, but you're going to have the mind of Christ without all the bad. <laughs> okay? For him to think it will be for you to do it, if you will. You will continue to learn. You won't say, he won't say, okay, you're just stuck in every other names that's names as far as your understanding. You're able to learn. Look over at Ephesians 2 to show you this. Now, you will not move out of being every other name that's named. That's your capacity. But you will learn. You will grow as far as your understanding. Ephesians 2, verse number 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ. He's going to show his exceeding riches of his grace and he's going to do it for how long? Ages, it's plural, to come. So as we go through one age, we're going to learn a little bit more. And then the next age starts and we're going to show more. and Because it, it's exceeding. And then we're going to come to another age and we're going to show more. We're going to keep showing this, but we're going to just keep more and more and more. Because we have the limitations of that sin, curse, that slows us down now, that says, I, didn't, I never thought it would look like that. No, you're, just, you're free of that. And you're going to grow and you're going to grow. Okay? Now, we've been more than an hour, but I wanted to get down, because next week we're going to look at Israel, because while this is going on, we'll work out Israel's, because Israel's program is still part of the plan. This is our part. We'll take one lesson, finish it out, okay? So God's glory plan, folks, it is wonderful. And, and by the way, we just kind of scratched the surface on this, get you thinking about it. <laughs> we'll, look, we'll look at the creatures that are out there. Those are fascinating. Look at some different things that we've learned over the recent time, okay? But don't think that what happens right now is the end of it all. We got a whole bunch of stuff going on over here that we need to be aware of. Understand to what our limited understandability is, but to know that all of it sits right here. And we just got to get in it, study it, and dig it out. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you to, for the ability to look into the heavenly places, to see them, and to understand that they're there, that they're ours as members of the body of Christ and that we'll be ruling and reigning for you in your stead as we take on the government of the heavens. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the, and the wonderful glory for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.
Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Monday night will be 